0: My conversation today is with Dan Miller. Dan is one of the most in-demand international wellness speakers. He is a host of Uncaged on Brinks TV and a former Guinness World Endurance record holder for the 48-hour treadmill marathon event. Dan helps people live longer, healthier lives by learning to live more like human animals. Through his Happy Healthy Human program, he combines ancient wisdom, modern medicine, evolutionary biology, and nature's rules to share clear, irrefutable advice for living the way we were designed to live. And I went through Dan's happy, healthy human program. I believe it was last year. And I remember coming out of that. And I know I told you this Dan, but it was just like everything clicked. It was crazy. And I'm sure you've heard that kind of feedback from anybody you speak with. And it was crazy because I thought that I had a good grasp on health and wellness, but I think what's different about your program is that Instead of diving into like the extensive research and having to learn every little thing about our bodies, ultimately, it can really be summed up into one concept, really to live the way that we were designed to live thousands of years ago and to live like human animals, or at least getting as close to that as we possibly can. Is that what you would agree with the concept would be? Well,
1: so if we, if we delve into how complicated this machine is, we're going to make some chemicals today. Like on a minute by minute basis, second by second, we're making some chemicals. And if, if we really want to dive into the nuances of how complicated this machine is, take the number 37, add 27 zeros after it. That's how many chemicals we're going to make every minute. So we can get really complicated really quickly. So when somebody says, I got this figured out, maybe not, If unless they are looking at every single one of those chemical reactions on a minute-by-minute basis. And some of these chemicals are super transient. They're only going to last a little bit of time, and then they're going to go away. Some of these messenger signals that come through aren't going to be there all day. So this thing is really, if we go down to the cellular level, it's insanely complicated. People think of cells like they think of uh, the drawing in the textbook, right? It's just a little circle. There's a nucleus in there, and there's a couple of little things going on. Cells are so busy, we need to start thinking of each individual cell like its own city. There's lots of things coming in. There's lots of things going out. There's lots of things happening in there. It's a complicated system. So if we want to get to health and wellness and we want to dial you in, I can either go hyper complicated and get lost in the nuances of that, which you have to do with some people if they have something autoimmune going on or if they have if they're born with some genetic anomalies. But for the most part, we don't have to do that with any people. We can just go back to the basics because a lot of people are trying to fix problems with all the complicated stuff and they don't even do the basics. And the basics are just like you would do, I always tell people think about what you would do with your dog. Like when we're trying to solve obesity in humans. Well, if your dog was obese, what would you do? There's two things you'd probably do. You'd walk it more, feed it less. Holy cow, what a simple concept for a dog. When humans are obese, we say, well, I need a, a an ab blaster. I need a, a keto supplement. I need to do some fasting. I need to no. You need to walk it more and feed it less. I mean, it's not as complicated as we're making it. It's just the basics are so basic that we forget that they work. And and you're a jujitsu practitioner, you know. Go back to the basics. Arm bars still work, and they're basic. Right? Mm-hmm. They work. A lot on a lot of people because they're basic. And if you master the basics, most of the problems in human society, as far as our health goes, will simply resolve themselves because we've mastered the basics. The problem is we live in a place where we don't have to do the basics. So we don't.
0: Yeah, well, and it's it kind of goes back to the concept, too, that it can be simple, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's easy. So I completely, I completely agree with that. And I think what's inspiring about the work that you do and what's, what's really cool about the work that you do is that things can make sense without us having to dissect it or try to find those little things. Like you said, like the ab blasters or the ketogenic, you know, and and there's, again, we can dive into it and try to dissect the science, but sometimes dissecting the answer can actually make it harder on us because we might try to force whatever, we need to do to get to the right answer. And ultimately then we end up actually working against our biology. Like for example, one thing that I know you shared and we talked about a little bit in the program was if if we look at food and and if we focus on eating real foods instead of focusing on caloric restriction and trying to, you know, really, really focus in on the numbers, which a lot of people talk about caloric deficit and caloric surplus. And in a way that's a simplistic way of looking at it, but if we just focus on eating real food we'll naturally be able to regulate our calories because our body recognizes those foods and so we'll feel full when we eat and we'll probably find that it's easier for us to be in a caloric deficit because you know if you're eating foods that aren't real foods and we're not being satiated it's it's going to be incredibly difficult and that's just one of the many takeaways that i got from your program so i'm i'm really excited to just dive more into this i feel like we could go 10,000 different ways on it, but
1: well, when you, when you mentioned food, what people don't realize is, you know, people think you need a food scale. They think you need uh, three different apps to uh, measure your macros. They, which a lot of those people that are measuring macros never consider micronutrients or phytonutrients. They're just like macros only. Well, I can measure macros and eat garbage food. That doesn't mean it might mean I lose weight, but it doesn't mean I'm going to be healthy some of the least healthy people I know are people just just tracking macros because donuts can be tracked as a macro. There's no micronutrients, there's no phytonutrients in a donut, but as long as their macros are good, hey, then my weight is where I want it. It doesn't mean I'm not inflamed on the inside. There's a lot of problems with tracking the macros and measuring the food. And one of them is you're not designed to do it. So you'll eventually fail. I mean, and that's, people don't realize that we have this weird little thing about us because we're still animals that says, don't measure calories. Don't measure uh, the amount of, uh, well, I can just do this in moderation. You can't, you'll fail. And the reason I say that is because we're so intimately programmed to be outside, just like our dog, that if you try to ask your dog to exercise moderation when you give it the same foods you're eating, your dog will become obese as well it will not be able to exercise moderation and we fail at that as well. So we have to let the food do the work. And if we let the food do the work by choosing plants and animals to eat, that we could grow in our garden or hunt. Those are the two key things. If you can't grow it, I don't know a lot of people growing wheat and canola in their garden. So maybe we leave those out for a little bit, right? You grow, you eat the stuff you can grow in your garden. You eat the stuff that you can hunt or trap or fish and then magically caloric deficits happen in most people because of protein and fiber and protein and fiber are two things that stop you from over consuming a food and if you're just tracking macros you have to do it yourself if you're eating plants and animals whole foods real food that you can identify outside the food does the work for you so sometimes we make it so complicated because we're trying to sell you stuff right? My industry is notorious for you have to buy something. No, you don't. You have to go back outside. Nothing to buy. You might need a good rifle or or something, right? You not, might need a book to identify which mushroom is safe to eat uh, and which one's going to make you talk to God, right? If you eat the wrong one or meet them, if you eat the wrong God, <laughs> or if you eat the wrong mushroom, you might, just, uh, you might just go away for a while and leave this body. So we have to, you might need some tools outside, but it's rare, right? So there's nothing to buy. Mm-hmm. And that's why a lot of people don't talk about this is because if I talk about this and you go do it yourself, I don't make any more money. And in my industry, i oh my like, no, you need a coach. You need a coach to guide you. Well, maybe, maybe you need an accountability partner because tribe members are important. And maybe you pay me as a tribe member. That's fantastic but you don't need all the fancy stuff. I don't need a thing to blow into every morning to see where my CO2 and ketones are at to determine how much I eat today. It doesn't have to be that complicated. Choose plants because they have fiber, choose animal products because there's protein. Everybody wins.
0: Definitely. And I know I mean that's and that's just one of the one of the pillars that you have, right? Like if we talk about sleep, we can give an example of sleep and you can learn about all the things and and dissect that as well. Like you can understand the super nucleus and how your brain works to interpret the world around us and how we need vitamin D to make serotonin, to make melatonin. But if we just take it back to the basics again, and think about how our world was a thousands of years ago, thousands of years ago, I still remember one of the things you said, if we just take a look at the sun, if we go back to the sun during the day, we have light and warmth and at night, when the sun goes away, we have cold and dark. And when you look at any of the research on what we need to be able to sleep better, like two of the most significant adjustments that we can make is to have cold and dark during the night and light and warmth during the day. Ultimately, if we just go back to go back to the basics, which is why I love I love your program.
1: Yeah, yeah, and here's what I love about science is it's always changing. So when somebody says that science is settled, run away from that person. Science is never settled. It's it's an exploration for knowledge, right? Let me give you a great example of this, Christina. You might not know about this study. Uh, so for since the 1960s, everyone has said, get your 10,000 steps in, get your 10,000 steps in, get your 10,000 steps in. And there was never any clinical evidence of 10,000 steps. It was a made up number uh, from Japan. uh, Yeah, a company trying to sell pedometers in 1960. Let's just make up a number, do this. Okay, great. So a marketing company told us that you need to move 10,000. That's fantastic. Right. And people would be like, ah, it's just a marketing thing. It's just a marketing thing. There's no clinical evidence. I'll do what I'm doing right now, which the average American, the average uh, European, the average Canadian, uh, three to 4,000 steps a day was average. And it's because we don't have to move. So we don't. Our ancestors were between 19,000 and 32,000 steps a day. And here we are at three to four. So in August of this year, it published in the European Journal of Preventive Cardiology, there was a meta-analysis published that looked at 29 studies from around the world. And I think the patient population was upwards of 290,000 patients in those 29 studies. And they looked at simply movement, which is how many steps you got, versus cardiovascular death rate. Pretty easy, right? They Not really, because the statisticians have to get involved. They have to parse out that data and see, was it movement that caused this, or was it healthy user bias, meaning healthy people move more anyway, so of course they'll have less heart disease. They went through these 29 studies. They put a meta-analysis together, and they published in a mainstream cardiovascular journal in Europe. And here's what they found. Uh, Those who moved more than 10,400 steps versus those who moved an average of 3,400 steps had, I believe, don't quote me on this, but it was 70 some odd percent less chance of cardiovascular death. 75% lower chance of dying of heart complications and heart disease if you move 10,000 steps-ish versus 3,000. So now when somebody says there's no clinical evidence, yep, there is. Now there is. So maybe the Japanese were onto something 60 years ago. Maybe that number did hold some significance. And, and maybe, hey, it's not 19,000, it's not 32,000. We're 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 settling at 10 when the majority of people are doing three to four. Can't we meet in the middle? I mean, we don't have to do 19,000 anymore, that's great. But here's here's the reason I wanna put this in here as a little story is because some of the things we're doing we don't have clinical evidence of, but our ancestors did it all the time. And if there's no negative side effect, then why aren't we doing it? Our ancestors were outside all day. The average American goes outside five hours a week. That's it. So there might be some problems with that when we were designed to be in an environment that we never go into anymore. We weren't designed to live in tiny little cages. We weren't designed to not have people around us all day. We're social creatures designed to live outside and we don't go out there anymore. So maybe we just have to stop looking for the newest, latest, greatest clinical trial on something and go, well, did it work for our ancestors? Can it work for me? Maybe I try it for 90 days. Uh, I would say that anyone listening to this, if you really wanna do a cool experiment, for the next 90 days, move 19,000 steps a day And then you report back and tell me if you've lost weight. Because I bet you do. You don't have to go for a run. You just have to walk 19,000 steps a day. You tell me if you lose weight. Because you will, no matter what. Because when you're standing, your legs are active. When you're walking, you're getting your metabolism moving. It leads to weight loss. We don't have to overcomplicate it. But I don't need scientific evidence to say this does this. That's the drug world telling us you always need that evidence. Great. I'm not on a drug. I'm walking. There's no negative side effects of walking. I can't think of one anyway. Well, you're more at risk of getting hit by a bus, Dan. Well, stop walking where buses go then. Stay on the sidewalk.
0: Yeah. I love that because there are, well, two things that you said. One, if it doesn't have any negative side effects, why not try it? Especially when it's something natural, right? It's, it's one thing if, if you're talking about a drug, but it's another thing when you're talking about going back to some of these basic laws of, of mother nature. And the other thing too, is like, try it out for yourself. Like, even if it's something that there isn't research on, if it has no negative side effects, why not try it? Especially if it comes to something like that. Another thing I wanted to talk to you about is that, I mean, there's a lot more research on longevity and there continues to be more of that. And one thing that I noticed is that your longevity goal used to be to live to 113, correct? Right. And now it's 130. And I was curious because I saw it on your website and I was like, first of all, when did you make that change? And and second of all, why did you make that change from 113 being your goal to live to and now being 130?
1: Well, I used to think I'm going to outlive my dad by double and then add a year just for good measure. So my dad lived to 56, double that's 112, add an extra year is 113. And the reason I say that I can do that is because we know humans are supposed to live into about their early hundreds-ish. And that if we take steps right now when I'm 53 to live that long, I will probably live that long. I'm at least doing the stuff that would lead to that naturally. Right. Which is everything in the program and, and maybe even then some. So I tend to push this thing pretty hard at 53 because it's going to last me another 77 years. Right. Why did I jump to 130? Because there's new evidence coming out from David Sinclair's lab over at Harvard, uh, from some of the folks uh, over in California, like Walter Longo uh, and Sachin Panda with some of the supplements and some of the stem cells and some of the exosomes that show that we can extend life even beyond what we thought in a healthy manner, right? I'm not gonna be living in a wheelchair for 40 years for those naysayers are like, who wants to live that long? I wanna just, I'm gonna die young. That's the dumbest, dumbest mentality ever because that was my dad's mentality and he died at 56. Dad has four grandkids he's never met. And that is tragic for both my dad and for my children, I have two of those kids, that they don't get a grandpa hanging around with them. That's It's tragic that people have that attitude because they only think of themselves and not what's going to happen around them. And that destruction and chaos that goes along with them going away at 56. My dad suffocated to death in the hospital and watching him take his last breaths with tears in his eyes. It was too late to make a change at that point. So I adjusted upwards. One thirty is my mom's age and my dad's age combined together when they died. Mom died at seventy-four. Dad died at fifty-six. Add them together. That's one thirty. It's a target. It might be more than that. <clears throat> we don't know what's coming. We don't know what's coming in the next twenty years. They could, in the next twenty years, look at us and go, "Hey, we can keep people alive till the year till they're two hundred years old." Because we understand the aging process better now than we've ever understood it, right? Cellular senescence plays a huge role. Insulin use plays a huge role. Uh, the mTOR pathway plays a huge role. So we now know some of the pathways. We now know some of the things like sirtuins and and some of the plant compounds that can that can offset the effects of aging that you can take in a pill form, even some, I'm taking a a stem cell boosting supplement, it's just a bunch of plant compounds that have been shown to increase an enzyme pathway that says, hey, body, go make 10 million more stem cells today. That's amazing. That's a supplement I take daily to make more stem cells at 53, because the average person loses half of their stem cells by age 30. So I'm taking some extra help. This is stuff we didn't have 20 years ago, that we didn't have 60 years ago. How many people around us are living to 100 now? And they didn't have these things when they were in their 50s. I do. So I don't think there's any reason I can't live to 130. And the scientists I know in the longevity space are all saying, yeah, that's a normal number. Why? why? I mean, that's not a, a abnormal. The regular folks that don't follow this kind of cutting-edge science are thinking, who wants to live to 130? Because they're picturing dying like my mother in a wheelchair with dementia in the last nine years of her life were just garbage because she never took care of herself. Well, I'm taking care of myself a lot, a lot more than most people do because it's my job to, because this isn't mine. This is my community's. I'm borrowing my body from my community. And my goal is keep this thing healthy so I can do good in the world. And so that I can be there for my kids so that I can be there for my grandkids who aren't born yet so that I can be there for my great grandkids. That's the goal. So that's why I move that number up. And I may move it up again. It's a moving target. And it keeps moving further away. And that's a good thing.
0: So you mentioned a couple supplements that you're taking. And and you said that they're all naturally derived from plants. It sounds like do you find that money would be a barrier or are those things that people can learn about, they can learn what plant compounds would help generate more stem cells, for example, or is, will you need to take supplements to be able to reach that number?
1: Well, so some of the, here's, this is what I tell people all the time. The program itself, the actions we take completely free. I can go to the jungle of iquitos which I was just there uh, a couple months ago. I can go to rural India, which I was just there two and a half weeks ago. I can go to uh, Tanzania and hang out with the Maasai people. I was just there three months ago. I've been on five continents in the last three months. I can go to these rural places and see people taking the same actions for zero money all over the world. So in the program that I help people follow, it's Mother Nature's program, not the Dan Miller program. It's just exactly be an animal, but how do, how do we integrate that into our daily lives and still keep the buildings and modern medicine? The actions are free. Staying in bed for two extra hours is free. Moving 10,000 steps or 15,000 steps costs no money. It doesn't cost money. You might need to track it and tracking devices cost money, but the actions don't. So some of the supplements I'm taking for long, I only take supplements for longevity or immunity. That's it. Otherwise, I don't take it. The supplements I take cost money. Trying to find some of these plant compounds in North America, going to be impossible because they come from other parts of the world. So having somebody put them in a convenient little pill for me to take, that costs some cash. Some of them aren't Inexpensive. They're fairly expensive compared to, I mean, they're not $20 a month supplements, some of these things. So I tell people take the actions first. Let's dial in the basics, the free stuff. When you can, if you can afford it, buy the tools, which I consider supplements a tool, buy the tools to accelerate your actions. Too many people, and I'm not going to pick on network marketing, but I'm going to, kind of pick on network marketing. Because too many people in some of these organizations tell you just do this thing and you don't have to do anything else. Just buy this product and everything gets better. No, it doesn't work like that. The magic is in you doing things different. The products that somebody might be selling you, whether it's at GMC or Vitamin Shop or a network marketing company, are there to accelerate your actions to add some fuel to that already fire that you've built by doing better. And the doing better is free. It's absolutely, people think it costs money to eat healthy. No, it doesn't. It costs less money because you eat fewer calories because the foods you're eating naturally calorically restrict for you because they've got all of the vitamins and minerals and phytonutrients and cofactors that your body's been begging you for when you're eating Taco Bell and McDonald's. Right. So sometimes what we think is going to be more expensive turns out to be less expensive in the long run. It happens most of the time when we just change our actions and and the actions would happen naturally. If you just step back outside, outside for me is that way right now. If you just go back out there, all of the actions I tell people about our ancestors did because they had to. I ask us to consider doing those again, even though we don't have to, because that's what we were designed to do. So you're right. The tools cost money. The supplements cost money. We don't need them. What we need to do is go the hell back outside where we belong. And then we end up doing the actions. And then if we can afford the tools, we can add the tools to our regimen and they make everything even better than they were before.
0: Do you recommend that Everybody takes, for example, an immunity supplement, or do you just take it primarily because you travel and go into a bunch of different places all the time?
1: That's a good question. If you're going to be in traffic, you're going to breathe brake dust. If you're going to get near an airport, you're going to breathe jet fuel exhaust. If you have amalgam fillings in your mouth, you're getting mercury vapors into your brain. I think in modern society, because of what we've done with plastics and formaldehyde in the carpet and uh, the toxins in the air that we breathe when we live in cities, I think everyone needs to do something for their immunity, something better. Even if it's just vitamin D is one of the primary immune supplements we can take because we don't go outside enough. So you can get it for free. It costs no money. You just have to go outside. Well, good luck doing that where I live in North Dakota in February. Because most people don't have the gear to go. There's no bad weather. Nature's going to do nature. She's always done this. She's been doing math for 4 billion years. She knows what she's doing. There's no bad weather, there's just bad gear. And most people don't have the gear to go outside in February. So they may need to consider taking a 16 cent a day vitamin D supplement in the winter. Some of these things are very inexpensive. So I think everyone should consider once they've dialed this thing in as far as the actions, do I need supplementation individually? And a lot of folks do because of the environment we live in. How else are you going to clear some of these heavy metals? How else are you going to uh, bolster the immune system when your vitamin D is plummeting every single year because you stop going outside? I think a lot of people should consider doing something different. I'm not saying everyone needs to be on these particular supplements, but man, if you're over the age of 30 and you're not on a stem cell supplement, good luck to you, because your muscles are going to take longer to heal, your wounds are going to take longer to heal, and that's happening on the inside too, so if anything goes awry in here that we can't see, it's going to take far longer to heal after age 30 than it does prior to that, so Uh, I say to my people in their uh, 40s, 50s and 60s, get on a stem cell boosting supplement, right? Or head south of the border, go to one of the stem cell clinics in Tijuana or Panama and have them just jam those things right into your bloodstream. That's $30,000 out the window, right? A lot of people can't afford that. It might be easier to take a $150 a month supplement for a long while uh, rather than just go do one of those uh, series of injections that they can do.
0: Is there a way to boost stem cells naturally through actions or is that something that you have to take through? I mean, the
1: whole program is going to help with that, right? You know, stop stressing out, get good sleep, make sure you're moving lots, pick up heavy weights on occasion. We're going to be able to to do a lot of this with the program,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: but... I'm a guy that puts the plant pills in there and makes that even better because that helps me with all of those other actions. And again, the pills just help the actions be more effective, Mm -hmm. especially when I'm trying to heal my muscles, right? I'm trying to, I don't care how big they are. I mean, everyone wants to look good in a tank top, let's face it, but I really don't care how big my muscles are. I care how strong they are because that strength and that power is going to help me age very, very well. Right. And I travel a lot. I see people my age that can barely get their bags in the overhead bin. Barely. And that's tragic to me because I'm only 53. How am I going to do this at 78? Because I'll still be flying. I'll still be doing something. I want to be hyper mobile still. I want to be able to move around this planet. I can't do that if I'm not strong enough to do it. So I still have to go work my muscles to the point where they're sore and recovering. The plant products help the, that recovery a lot,
0: okay. so I'm
1: I'm gonna always say, look, if you can afford it, let's find out what you need to be on and figure something out. I mean, even if it's just CBD, that's the one supplement I think everyone should be on anyway, because it helps with the immune response. It can work uh, to lower anxiety. It can it lowers muscular pain. It can help uh, with joint pain. Because it's anti-inflammatory, I think CBD is the one supplement everyone in the world should be on anyway. So maybe it's just you start with 50 milligrams of CBD a day. Like, all right, this is that got way better. Things got way better. Now I can go do my life better. Sometimes the the supplements start a spiral in an upward direction, and what I mean by that is if you're not sleeping, then you're going to be more stressed out tomorrow. And then you're going to be tired at the end of the day. So you're not going to have energy to go work out. So if I give you a CBD supplement and that helps you sleep, that therefore it will start a little spiral because now that you're sleeping better, you're stressing less. And because you're stressing less and sleeping better, you have more energy when your workday is over. And now you feel like you should go for a walk or go to the gym. And now that's going to help you sleep even better because you just exercised. You're going to be more motivated to eat better because you're exercising more. Most people that exercise more tend to want to eat better or try to. So now we just started an upward spiral. And I did that by giving you a supplement that helped you sleep. That wasn't melatonin. It wasn't an exogenous hormone. It was a supplement that told your body, hey, why don't you relax a little bit? We got this thing taken care of, and then you got better sleep because of it.
0: Why do you think that CBD has a bad connotation or bad kind of view from society from one? And maybe it goes back to like the 60s or the 30s, um, 90, even though 30, we haven't. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. But like, even though even though we have this endogenous cannabinoid system, how come we still have that negative view of CBD and because
1: it's lack of education right and the powers that be and I will point to drug companies and insurance companies here uh, don't want you to know about that system because they can't regulate that supplement it's not a drug it's unpatentable you can make your own cannabinoids just by meditating you can calm yourself down that's 2-AG going to work in your body you can calm yourself down I think the word cannabis has negative connotations because of what happened all the way back in 1937. And some of the people that still believe that the plant is evil are still alive. And they just need to, when they age out of our population, some of the folks that are A, more open-minded and B, younger, that understand, hey, the plant's not bad. There's a couple of substances in the plant that can make you talk to your dog, right? Right. But the plant isn't bad. CBD, by the way, is not one of them. It's non-intoxicating. And there's 150 cannabinoids in the cannabis plant that we know of so far. There's only a handful that are what we call intoxicating, meaning they will alter your state of consciousness like THC will. And if you take enough of that, all of a sudden you're seeing dragons in the kitchen or whatever, right? Right. I tend to eat it and it becomes a little bit more uh, visual when you eat it versus when you smoke it. But I don't do that all the time. I don't like to get high. And to me, people that are like, I need to be high every day just to deal with society. You've got a big problem that you're not dealing with and you're trying to mask it. That's no different than uh, an alcoholic that has to have alcohol to deal with life. There's a problem that we're not identifying and, and we're overusing a substance to cover that up. And a lot of people think CBD is the same as THC because it comes from the same plant. And it's just not. That's like thinking corn syrup is the same as, as uh, some forms of whiskey because they both come from corn. They're, I mean, radically different just because they come from the same plant doesn't mean they're the same thing. So the short answer is we're just uneducated. And a lot of people are so close-minded they don't want to be educated because that'll disrupt their reality. And it, 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 the brain won't let us live in incongruity. So we'll either have to change what we thought before, or we just keep saying, no, no, I don't want to learn that, which is a lot of people that are uh, just a slightly older than me. They just don't want to learn, mm-hmm. which is tragic. Why wouldn't you want new neural connections in your brain to keep you younger? That's what learning does. So I say the plant has been around for 20 million years. Humans have only been around for 2 million It's 10 times older than we are. We have an endogenous cannabinoid system. So do our dogs, so do cats. All mammals have it. Well, that tells me something. That tells me that that plant might have had a role in our existence and history. The fact that one of our systems links up with a plant so perfectly, maybe it's important and maybe it used to be important and we made it not important in 1937 because it was set to disrupt petroleum, paper, and cotton. Uh, And if you read anything about the history of hemp, petroleum, cotton and paper were threatened by the decorticator being now uh, mass produced and having the ability to use this hemp as a giant billion dollar crop. It was going to put a bunch of families potentially out of business and they didn't want that. So they demonized the plant. And that's the that happened in 1937. There's a lot of really great history behind why we look at cannabis and go, no, that's evil plants aren't evil. They're just not. That's people can be evil, but plants aren't evil. Plants are plants. Nature's been doing this for a long time. Mm -hmm. So I like CBD for everybody. Um, And I like it because there's well over 2000 published clinical trials on the benefits of CBD. I haven't seen a single clinical trial on the detriment of CBD, not one THC, maybe, but not CBD. So Mm -hmm. It's for a lot of reasons, but primarily for immune boosting because of where where CBD acts on the immune cells, particularly the CB2 receptors and a receptor called the GPR55 receptor. And so basically CBD on your immune cells is just giving a little pat on the back saying, go do your job better. That's, that's why I like it. And then it lowers inflammatory response, both in the brain, in the muscles and in the joints everywhere. So if I can lower inflammation and bolster the immune system to go do a better job, I'm going to end up with some really cool things happening in all of my systems. Mm -hmm. And then you compound that with, it helps with anxiety. Now I've got all kinds of good things happening, both in the brain and in the body, simply because I took a plant compound that can't make me high, no matter what. That I can't overdose on, no matter what. There's no lethal dose of CBD. It's unknown to humans how much CBD you need to take to die. We haven't found that limit yet. So there's no overdose potential. It's non intoxicating. I can't find anything bad about just taking 50 milligrams a day for everybody. Especially when you start looking at some of the seizure uh, help that kids are getting. When they start a cbd regimen it's stopping seizures in some clinical trials for children that's amazing to me and we're not talking about it because there's not a lot of money for a single group of people because this is an unpatentable supplement and if you're allowed to grow hemp in your state with a permit anyone can grow it as long as they have that permit
0: so obviously with anything you want to have the highest quality to whatever you can afford with CBD, is it pretty critical that you get the highest quality? And how do you find that out?
1: Yes, I I say that with every supplement, because I can sell you hemp oil, which comes from the seed that has no CBD in it at all, because that comes from the flower. And I can say this is hemp oil, this has this much CBD in it when it might have none. Because there's no oversight in supplements. It's easy to lie and it's easy to get by with it. And a lot of people are doing it. A lot of people are using really low quality carrier oils with very minimal ingredients. And you look at it and go, well, the bottle's this big. It's got to be good. It might have 10 milligrams of CBD in the whole bottle. And people are so uneducated. They just don't know that. So absolutely, positively, unequivocally, if you're going to put something in your body, whether it's food or a supplement, make sure it's well tested and you're getting what you pay for. Right. That's why organic carrots are always going to be better than regular carrots. That's why uh, grass fed, grass finished, pasture raised, sustainably harvested uh, CO2 sequestering beef is always going to be better than whatever beef you buy from a feedlot at the store. It's always going to be better. And if it's not better for you, it's better for the planet. So if I'm putting a supplement, I'm looking over here at the table because I got a couple of supplements here. I am putting in a very, very high quality, well-tested supplement. Otherwise, I don't put it in here because you can buy some garbage that's being marketed to you. And if you don't have their certificate of analysis, you're never going to know. Just won't. My Two of my friends and I started a mushroom company. We launched on the 30th of this year. Oh, congrats. Um, And we're selling functional mushrooms it costs us almost as much to get them tested as it does for the raw ingredients. That's how much testing we put into it. We have, and I can say this because we've tested them, the purest form of these mushrooms available on the planet. So that's why we named our company Purest Mushrooms. So that that site is up and active and we'll be taking orders starting on the 30th of November, uh, purestmushrooms.com. And, and I'm not saying that to plug the mushroom company. I'm saying that because even for us, we test every batch and it costs us more to test the batch than it does for the raw ingredients. That's how deep we're going into the testing of these things, because I don't want to sell garbage. And with mushrooms, you can get a lot of contamination uh, in those if you're not handling them correctly. And we test for that. And we put our certificate of analysis for every batch right where people can find it. So they know they're getting what they pay for. And I think that's vitally important for any supplement that you're putting in your body mm-hmm. is, does it have a COA? Can I find where this is from? Do I know the manufacturer? Maybe that yeah, some people might go that far. I do. Um, and then it, is it consistently that can I find for the next batch, I buy another certificate of analysis, or did they just put one up from a couple of years ago and then they move their manufacturing to another country. And now we've lost that. Mm-hmm. I think that's important because especially with CBD, you can get some garbage CBD. You can get CBD that has too much THC in it, and then it makes your kid high. That's horrible. I've seen that because it's a not well-tested supplement. So anyone that I do business with, anyone that I put into my body, their supplements, I want to go so far as to meeting the people behind the scenes, Uh, like the stem cell boosting supplement I take. Uh, Christian, uh, I know him. Uh, He's a scientist that developed it. Uh, the CBD I put in my body, I've actually been to their facility in Eugene, Oregon. They have an ISO 9000 facility that they're manufacturing in. Uh, they make a what would be considered in other countries a clinical grade supplement right here in the United States for CBD. So we don't have that designation in the US, but they make it that clean because they're using their product in clinical trials in other countries. That's the kind of stuff I want to put in every day
0: mm-hmm.
1: because I'm putting it in every day.
0: One supplement you mentioned that I'd be really interested in talking about because I think it's something that I see a lot with with my friends taking. Um, and I know we've had a conversation about this before, and that is melatonin. So I'd love if you could kind of explain just your thoughts on melatonin kind of high level specifically for sleep.
1: Yeah. Well, here's what I would recommend if somebody's like, I'm taking melatonin every day. What do you mean it's bad? I want you to pick up a book by Dr. Chris Winter called The Sleep Solution. Uh, Dr. Winter runs sleep clinics around the country. He's a very well-trained doctor in sleep. And he will tell you, don't take melatonin. Some people will say if you're using it acutely to get into a new time zone, maybe it's okay if you're using it for two to three days. But long-term use of melatonin isn't going to be a good idea. And here's why. It's a hormone. We know that if you put some hormones in the body, the body will stop making that hormone. Because you keep putting it in there, right? Testosterone replacement is a good example of that. Uh, once um, a male is on a TRT supplement, they will probably be on that for the rest of their life because it, their body will shut down making it itself because there's plenty coming in from the outside. Well, what if melatonin's acting that same way? And I know a lot of folks that can't go to sleep without their melatonin because they've been on it for years. What if melatonin is acting the same way because it is a hormone? It's not. Ju- it's not just a supplement. Melatonin is a hormone that your body makes. So that's that's why I'm not taking stem cells. I'm taking in a plant that initiates a stem cell cascade in my body for my body to make its own. Well, I can't just throw melatonin in there and think, well, it's doing nothing. What if it's negating your body's ability to need to make this stuff because it keeps coming in from the outside and your body stops making melatonin? It could be causing, and I, I I don't know if there's definitive evidence of this, but it makes sense, right? Put an exogenous hormone in there all the time and your body might stop making it. Now, vitamin D is a little different because I was just D-
0: going to ask that. I was going to say, like, isn't vitamin D a hormone? So, okay. Well, it, I'm it, glad it that isn't. you went this way.
1: It is and it's not mm-hmm. because you can get vitamin D from fish. Uh, you If you eat whale or caribou or seal or walrus, you can get vitamin D from the blubber it's in the product it's already in nature in an edible form it's what our ancestors used to get vitamin d from in the winter they would shift their diet to these fatty fish and fatty marine mammals where they lived in a place where there wasn't any sun you can mm-hmm. find vitamin d in nature it's available
0: i thought that so, melatonin you could find in like or maybe it's a precursor to melatonin that you can find in cranberry no pre- not cran- uh what is it certain certain foods it's a it's precursor, a precursor. What it, not, what's the precursor? You're
1: not going to find, well, you find some of the building blocks, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, 5-HTP, tryptophan, <laughs> vitamin D. <laughs> vitamin. Okay. Yeah. So gotcha. you can find some of the precursors in nature, but you're. I don't know if you're going to find straight melatonin out there. Otherwise, yeah. an animal eating that stuff would just fall asleep right away, like turn into a fainting goat. Going... So here's what I tell people. If you're taking melatonin because you can't sleep and that's fixing your sleep. Is it or is there something else wrong and you're just masking it with melatonin because that's what helped? I mean, that's no different than taking Ambien or Lunesta, which don't even technically put you to sleep. They knock you unconscious. There's a radical difference between being knocked out and and falling asleep. And I think we, especially here in America, we always want the easy thing. Just give me the pill to take. Give me the, just the one magic supplement for weight loss, right? That's why Ozempic is the number one prescribed drug in the country right now. It's because it's you just prescribe me something to shove in my veins and I'm going to just lose weight magically. We all want the magic pill. None of us want to face the harsh reality of sometimes those magic pills have extreme consequences that are negative.
0: And what are your just, thoughts on Ozempic?
1: I I think people are being ridiculous. Yeah. Go do the hard work. Would you give Ozempic to your obese dog? Probably not. Because if, if the, the vet's like, hey, this is going to cause some problems with this, this, and this, you're not going to give it to your dog, but we give it to ourselves. Just like Diet Coke. Nobody gives their dog Diet Coke, but we drink it all day long. and We think it's totally fine. We do the worst stuff to this one thing that we get. And we think that this new drug is always going to solve our problems. It's next year, it's going to be a new drug. And the year after that, it's going to be another new drug because the drugs have good marketing. That's the problem with them. Nobody's out there marketing carrots. Hey, carrots are going to solve your vision problems and make your skin better because of vitamin A. Nobody's doing that. They're selling something that they can patent. And we have to remember that a patentable product that's being sold might not be the best idea, especially because we don't have 10 year studies on it yet. Kind of like the uh, lap band surgery. Uh, For the first five years, they said it cured diabetes. And then the 10 year studies came out and they said, no, it doesn't because the diabetes comes back because we didn't change the root cause of the problem, which is you're eating too damn many French fries. We didn't change your eating behavior. We just made your stomach smaller. So in the first five years, that looks great. In the next five years, Oh, diabetes is back again because we didn't change the root cause of the problem, which is you're eating too damn much food. Now, why are you eating too much food? Then we got to get into some psychology because some people do that just to uh, like a lot of people drink. They just eat too much food because it feels good and they need to feel good because they've designed a life for themselves that's not awesome. Maybe it's that. I don't know. I don't, I mean, that's individual for everybody. Most people eat too much food because it's tasty and delicious and that's how you're programmed and they just won't stop buying it. So I I think with an exogenous hormone, we need to be careful. Uh, Very, very careful. And don't listen to me, listen to the experts in the sleep community because none of them, and I mean, none of the mainstream high end researchers on human sleep are saying melatonin every day is okay. Not one. So maybe we listen to them instead of, well, my doctor says it's okay. Your doctor might not know what these folks know. They're studying sleep for a living. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's a good idea to put exogenous hormones in. If I really don't, because what if the body stops making that thing then? Because there's always enough of it. I don't want to take that risk. I don't know if that's for sure happening in melatonin, but what if it is?
0: Mm -hmm. It doesn't hurt to try other Other things before that as well, aside from light and dark, if somebody comes to you and says that they are having trouble sleeping, what's typically the the next,
1: well, you got to get some sun on your skin and in your face every day, preferably in the early mornings, but. I'll settle for a walk at noon for 10 to 20 minutes. No sunscreen, no sunglasses. Show as much skin as you can. That's going to help you get a little bit of vitamin D. That's going to help reset some of your circadian patterns because you're looking at some light through your eyes, some indirect sunlight. I'm going to tell you to get this thing off for at least an hour before bed. Your phone needs to go away. No blue light exposure for at least an hour. We have to start limiting our caffeine consumption because we overuse every day and caffeine the average half-life of caffeine in humans is about eight hours. A lot of folks, ne- because we never purge caffeine from our body, we can't sleep because we've always got caffeine floating around. And caffeine, if people don't know, is going to uh, block some of the receptors where adenosine goes, which is one of your, we know melatonin, but adenosine is one of your other, hey, I'm getting sleepy hormones. And caffeine blocks where those things bind. It doesn't stop the production of it, it just stops where they bind. And so a lot of people can't sleep because they're using too much caffeine for weeks and weeks and weeks on end and never take any time away because we fear the headache. Look, doesn't this sound like a drug addict? I won't stop using the thing because I don't want the side effect when I stop using the thing. It's just like a drug addict. And that's exactly what it is because caffeine is a drug. It's one of the most used drugs in the country and we overuse it so then we can't sleep. And then when we can't sleep, instead of saying maybe this is my caffeine and the fact that I don't go outside ever and I'm using my phone right up until bed, instead of doing that, we're just like, there's gotta be a pill to help. So uh, those are the primary things, right? Make sure you get lots of movement during the day, make sure you're outside for part of it to get some sun in your face without the sunglasses, maybe on your skin so you get that vitamin D, Make sure your bedroom's dark, make sure your bedroom's cold, make sure you're checking yourself with your caffeine intake because it might be ruining your sleep. Uh, It it might not be for some people, but for a lot of people it is. And then get the blue light out of your face. You should have a dim campfire-ish light for that last hour or two before bed. Mm -hmm. And then maybe try a warm bath before bed. That helps, helps a lot.
0: Quick question, because I've had some debates about this before. Can you explain why a warm bath is best at night and a cold shower would be best in the morning? Yeah,
1: Andrew Huberman's the best guy to explain this. And if you guys don't know Andrew Huberman, he's a a neurological research scientist at Stanford. Uh, So he will talk a little bit about body temperature and what your body needs to sleep versus what your body needs to wake up. And the long and short of it is, is is if I can warm you up a little bit before you crawl into bed, because you'll cool off as you're crawling into bed, that's going to help you produce more melatonin. And the opposite thing when, when we wake up, if I can get the cold water on you, so your body gets moving, uh, a cold shower in the morning is amazing for some of those neurochemicals that we're all craving, right? Endorphins and, and dopamine and and some of the other fun stuff that you're going to make in the morning that makes you feel great. Cold shower is great for that so uncomfortable for a lot of people they just won't do it Mm -hmm. but it it really is fantastic to get us moving and wake us up we get a lot of those those uh fun neurochemicals for four to six hours they're they're doubled in a lot of people for four to six hours after just a three minute quick cold shower in the morning Mm -hmm. so you take a regular shower and then you finish cold and you're going to have more productivity and, and feel better the rest of the morning all the way up uh through lunch for a lot of folks the, the body's looking for the cues it gets from nature. That's all it is.
0: Yeah. the The examples that you just shared when it comes to improving your sleep, I think are all pretty conducive to most people's lifestyle. But with some of the things, like if we talk about getting as close as we possibly can to living like human animals, I would imagine some people come up to you and say, I don't live in a world or a society or a job or whatever whatever the excuse is that is conducive to that way of living. Whether it's you know I work third shift, whether it's working in an office nine to five, essentially being locked in cage all day. What do you say to those people who say you know yeah. my my world isn't conducive to living like a human animal?
1: Change your world. You you get one body. Your 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 one body lasts you about a hundred-ish years. If we're dying in our seventies in this country, which we are, we're doing something wrong because we're losing a quarter of our lifespan and it can be healthy. If we take care of ourselves, it can be healthy. So the people locked in cages from nine to five, y'all get a lunch break, go walk for 15 minutes outside for part of your lunch break. Y'all have the ability to stand up while you get, a. ask your your supervisor your boss for a standing desk. They're cheap. The manual ones that you can lift up when you need them and and set them back down are less than $200. You can get a standing desk option and you can move a little bit while you're working. Standing up is going to help you burn calories because you're activating your legs. And when my legs are active, I burn more calories so I can go outside. We're just using excuses. I can't. Uh, And whenever you say, I can't, you're always right because your brain won't let you live in incongruity. So it's going to match your thoughts to what your actions are because it won't let that the opposite happen. Mm -hmm. So the excuses come. The the only one I can't help with is the fact that new moms and dads aren't going to get a lot of sleep. I can't help because we used to raise kids as a community and now we raise kids as a couple. I can't help with that one. There's nothing I can do other than, hey, hire a nanny or an au pair or something A lot of people can't afford that. So I'm not going to be able to help with some of this stuff. But a lot of it we can. We can stand up while we're there's not a job in the world that's going to say, no, I'm not going to let you stand while you're working unless you're a truck driver. And then there's some other things we can do. Right. All I ask people to do is you got to look at this. You get one body. You get tons of money. You just go make more. Right. We can make more money. You can't make more time and you can't make more health. And if you don't take control and stand up and say, I'm going to be healthy, I'm doing this today so that I get more time in this body with the people I love and care about. If you don't do that, nobody will. Nobody's going to call you and say, hey, time to get healthy. No one. I, I tell people all the time, if you're not the priority, you're doing life wrong. Stop martyring yourself for other people, even your kids. Because if you're not healthy, if you're in the hospital, everyone around you suffers. You, It's not selfish to stand up and say, I'm taking care of me. Once I'm dialed in, I'm able to take care of my family and my partner. Once we're dialed in, we should go take care of our community together. That's the way it's always been. I can't take care of my community or my children or my partner if I'm sick, if I'm unhealthy. I have to focus on me first because nobody else will do that. And the reason I want to focus on me first is so that I can take care of the others. That's, that's the reason I'm so selfish with my own health. I have to take care of me. Cause if I don't take care of me, who is, you can't do bicep curls for me. I mean, I can watch I can you try. do. I'm not going to get healthier because of it. I have to do the things for me. hmm so I tell people that use excuses, quit using the excuses. Mm-hmm. How convenient that you've got all these excuses. Or have you thought that maybe we can think different and do things different and not have to disrupt our own reality? Just tweak things a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Get a little bit more movement in through the day. Take a walk at lunch and tell me if you don't sleep better. A lot of people do. And it's just, it, they're like, oh my gosh, this is magic. It's not magic. It's nature. She's been doing this for a long time. And if we play by her rules, we all get to live longer. And then keep modern medicine for when you have arthritis in your thumbs at 52, right? Mm -hmm. Get some PRP injections in there or whatever, right? Keep some of the supplements that help you make stem cells so you heal faster. Keep modern medicine, but also keep the things we did to get here in the first place. That's the problem with us. We want to adopt modern medicine and throw away nature. Mm -hmm. We have to work with both. And if we do nature first and put modern medicine in those little gaps, we all get to live longer and better.
0: So, what about third shift workers? Do you? What do you put tell them? Job
1: and get it. I I don't know what to do. Right. Yeah. We have to. So we're trying to trick our circadian pattern. Third shift workers have been shown to have working third shift is a is a cancer causing agent, right? Every sleep book will tell you that. Every scientist will tell you working third shift because you're working against the sun and against the the way the the earth is turning. It's very, very bad for our health. So the best we can do if we're not going to quit our job and get a day shift, the best we can do is to make sure our daytime looks like nighttime, completely blackout curtains in your bedroom. Uh, with a lot of really bright light, like something like the Verilux Happy Light, a full spectrum bright light at night when we're working. So a dull, dim working environment at night is not going to do it. Seeing the sun shining through our bedroom window while we're trying to sleep is not going to do it. We have have to take what you and I do and completely reverse it in a 12-hour format. And that's hard for a lot of people. Right? It's very, very hard for a lot of people, especially, oh my gosh, I know cops and soldiers and nurses that work 18-hour shifts. That completely screws things up. And you know what? There's not a lot we're going to be able to do to help somebody like that if they continue working shift work like that because it just there's no real circadian pattern there. Your body doesn't know what day it is, when to do what, and it just messes with your hormonal response. And it has been shown in every study that they've done in humans to exacerbate disease. Whatever those diseases might be, it makes them all worse. So primarily, they look at how it uh, exacerbates cancer in humans when you're working against nature. So I don't know. I don't have good sound advice for those folks working. Well, I work two night shifts a week and the rest are day shifts. I don't know what to do other than on those night shifts. You better make it look like it's daytime while it's nighttime. And it's got to look like nighttime while it's daytime, at least in your bedroom uh, and get in a good pattern. So that your body knows, okay, this is when I do this because it's light and and warm, and this is when I do this because it's dark and cold.
0: Mm -hmm. Definitely. So if you very hard. Yeah, yeah, and and if you were, say for example, you were fully in charge of the world and had the choice to make it however you wanted, given what you know, whether you know when we talk about scientific improvements, like everything from the polio vaccine to like upcoming technology improvements like the stem cell supplements and CRISPR research and all that stuff on top of like the way that we work if you wanted to like cut out all third shift work for example what would you do and then also would you put us back to the way that things were thousands of years ago
1: i wouldn't design i wouldn't say we need to go back to the way things were thousands of years ago we've got the easiest life in history in the history of humans we have the easiest life Uh, we just do. There's nothing, there's no bears attacking me. I don't have to worry about a snake bite killing me. In most cases, if I'm close enough to anti-venom, we have that now. We didn't have that a thousand years ago. Uh, The food, food is uh, a lot easier in, in this country anyway. So what I think what I would do is I would put us all back to the sense of community that we used to have. And the fact that, that we used to revere what we ate, and uh, we, would, we wouldn't we would take advantage so much of, of situations like we do now. I know people that bitch about traffic. Sitting in a $70,000 SUV, they bitch about traffic. They're driving. They are traffic and they complain. So I think our lives have gotten so easy, we complain about everything. I think we've forgotten because we don't travel enough. So I think I would just put the mindset back to the way it was. I'd go back 20,000 years ago to that mindset, but keep everything else because everything else is great. Cars are great. This hotel I'm staying in is great. Food is way better than it it used to be, sort of, right? I mean, a lot of food isn't even food, but it's easier to get than it used to be. Mm -hmm. So I would put our mindset back because that would change a lot of our behaviors. And one of the behaviors I would want to change is get us back to the sense of community we used to have. It's not about me. It's about us. Right. It's it's about me being healthy, then helping others. And we just stopped helping others. When I'm in India, I hang out with these kids called the Willpower Warriors. There's about 5000 of them in India now. These are high school, college age kids that volunteer time. No fame, no accolades, no Instagram likes. They volunteer their time every week in old age homes. That's what they call them uh and there's they're not retirement communities trust me if you ever come into india with me you will understand these are not retirement communities these are old age homes it's it's tragic and sad these kids go on a weekly basis and volunteer time with these people they volunteer in orphanages they they volunteer for community events they're getting nothing but love back and they do that i don't see that in the rest of the world especially in america I think we need to get back to that sense of community, that we are community, not single. It's not just me and my friends. It's me and all of the rest of us. And so I would put our mindset back and everything else would fix itself.
0: Definitely. Well, one question I asked you before, I'm not sure if you remember it, but when it comes to community, I think some people struggle in the short term with finding a community. Do you think that it's better to be isolated in the short term? Because sometimes people have this mindset of, you know, I'm going to be isolated, whether it's to get something done or whether it's because they don't have community in the short term, do you think it's better to have, to be isolated in the short term or have bad community until you find that better community?
1: Bad community is bad community. I don't want to hang out with people that are doing bad things and bad community, but, um, so I don't know if I want to be isolated either. Right? Do I have any family? Do I have any friends that aren't horrible that I could hang out with a little bit? Can I find a community online? It's one of the most important things in longevity is are you involved in a community? And and do you feel needed, valued, loved and important? Those are four really big words when it comes to longevity is do I feel needed and valued and loved and important in a community? And if I don't, I need to go find one. And a lot of folks that if you don't have one, I mean, that's why a lot of people still go to church is because that community is where they feel that thing. Um, and, and for some people, that's important. For for others, they might find that somewhere else. Jiu-Jitsu is a great community, right? I would say for the person who's isolated and only has bad people to hang out with, experiment with where you can volunteer, because you might find community there because it's free to volunteer experiment with where you can maybe train uh, a martial art if you have a good community and I mean every martial arts place I've ever trained at the community has been pretty damn good good caring nice kind especially with jujitsu so I would just say you got to go look sometimes you have to search out community it's not just going to come knocking on your door
0: all great advice and i wish we could keep talking but i know yeah. um we're all getting to the end yeah. yeah yeah so one last quick thing before we go at the end of each of my episodes i encourage the guests to create some type of challenge that the listener can do that relates to our conversations what would i you- already have it okay sweet uh, what is- so
1: the default state of most humans i'm going to point this out with you i'm going to tell you one word you tell me one word and one word only how do you feel When you go outside with somebody that you like and do something fun for three hours, how do you feel? Happy. Happy. That's your default state. Okay. So if I ever need to get back to my default state, I'm going to do eight words. And I challenge everyone listening to do these eight words before you seek anything else for this problem. Whether your problem is I'm mildly depressed, I'm anxious, I'm stressed out. I need to lose weight. I can keep going. No matter what the issue is with you, I'm going to turn it off and turn it back on again by doing these eight words. I encourage you to do this and then tell us how you feel when you're done, because you're probably going to feel pretty damn good because that's your default state. So my challenge to you is when something shows up where you're not feeling happy or good or relaxed or calm or peaceful or fun or whatever that word is. I want you to grab some friends or family. I want you to go outside, grab some friends, go outside, move your body. That's it. Doesn't matter what that means to you. It could be soccer, could be frisbee, could be going for a run, could be biking, could be whatever you want to move your body. Grab some friends, go outside, move your body. You tell me how you feel when that's done. And then you might choose to do that way more often. Because I don't know a lot of people that are still stressed out when they're outside with a people that they like doing something uh, where that's physical, where they have to move around. I don't know a lot of people that hold on to the anxiety and the depression when that happens. So the, to reach your default state, to turn it off and turn it back on again, because maybe that solves the problem, grab some friends, go outside, move your body. That's my challenge. Do that more often and then report back and, and tell us if that works because I've never heard anyone telling me it doesn't. And then if, if whatever your problem is, is still hanging around, you might need medical intervention. You might need a psychiatrist or a doctor or whatever. But a lot of people just need that thing where they go back out there with people they like and do something. Because that solves a lot of that stuff that goes on when we're locked in these tiny little cages all day. Maybe you just need that. Cause that's your default state is when you're outside with people, you like doing something
0: there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I love it. I love cool. that challenge. And and thank you so much for having this conversation with me. I will put your mushroom new mushroom, exciting yeah. business in the show notes. I'll put where people can find you, your website, Uh, anywhere else that you want to yeah we'll
1: put that cbd link in there too i'll send all these via email so the purest mushrooms my website and the the cbd link for the really clean cbd we can put that in there we can put the uh, stem cell link in there too if you want to perfect
0: let's put it all in that sounds great thank you so much for for joining me and having this conversation
1: thank you